broadcasting on the BBC to all points unknown. If you're within the sound of my voice, you're listening to Welcome Home Podcast on the BBC. Hello, Welcome Home listeners. Thank you for joining us on episode 33 of Welcome Home, a Disney Parks and Vacation Club podcast. I'm Tom, here with Trevor. No Damon this week. Uh, Damon is still at Disney and very upset that he cannot be on the show today because he really badly wants to talk about his vacation right now. <laughs> so, I mean, he right, right, uh, Trevor, he was telling us he really wants to talk about it. Um, but we're oh, not yeah. going spo- <laughs> to spoil anything. But I will say that Damon did something on this trip that he has frequently called stupid. So <laughs> I'm excited for him to come back and talk about it. So that's a, no spoilers. Yeah, tune in for next week or next episode on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something he's frequently said, no, I don't do this because it's dumb. So <laughs> anyway, uh, but in, in Damon's place today, we have a, a really great guest. Uh, this is a, a guy that we've wanted to have on the show for quite a long time. Um, his name is Russ. He runs, owns uh, DVCinfo.com, which is a really fantastic DVC website. I get so much stuff off of DVCinfo.com. Like, that is one of my favorite DVC sites. So I'm pretty psyched to have uh, Russ on here. Uh, thanks for joining us, Russ. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the site and what you do with it? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, again, it's Russ. I uh, own DVCinfo.com, and we have basically an informational site with over 100 pages of information for folks that are new to DVC or and also a community uh, of experienced members for people that are uh, just wanting to talk with fellow members. Yeah, and you've got you've got so much information on there like uh, just one of the things we we've actually referenced on this show before is like room inventories and stuff like that where you know if you want to know how many rooms a resort has in each category that it's it's you know you have these really helpful charts on there that I've not seen anywhere else so a lot of good information on there if you haven't been on dvcinfo.com and you and you're thinking about uh you know buying into dvc or if you're a dvc member already really really great site so so thanks for us for being on we're we're excited and uh we're going to start off here as we like to start off sometimes with uh, listener questions and listener feedback. So we actually have a uh, listener who wrote into us uh, after the the last episode. Um, And so he says, uh, this is from Jay. Jay says, hey, Tom, uh, Damon, and Trevor, thanks for the great work on the podcast. I finally almost caught up with all the episodes and I'm enjoying the show. Glad you're enjoying it. Uh, I'm currently a DVC member with 300 points at... Uh, um, I just forgot what the abbreviation was for a second. <laughs> Billy is a Grand California. <laughs> My gosh. I'm just messing up here. Um, no, 300 points at, at uh, Villas of Grand Californian, a purchase resale, and 25 points at Alani you bought direct before they raised the minimum to 75 for member perks. Uh, we try to make good use of our points, but I, like many owners, am constantly thinking about buying more points, which you know leads me to this question. And I will say on this show, we're always talking about buying more points. I would love to buy more points. You know, More points would be great. But So we, we, we definitely feel you on that one, Jay. Um, we've never been to Walt Disney World. Whoa. <laughs> you're blowing up my world here jay um <laughs> well it, that's fair but yeah, yeah continue no, on. <laughs> you know what it's okay you're yeah. a disneyland guy mm-hmm. um we've gone three times in the past years to anaheim and said uh with our three kids uh, and a fourth three scheduled for october and and while uh as a disneyland guy i'm intimidated by the concept of the level of advanced planning and transit involved in the uh, walt disney world experience 
having to take a bus from uh, from an on-property hotel to almost all the parks. Really? Yeah, it is definitely different, Jay, <laughs> for, for sure. <laughs> definitely a different experience when you go to Disney World. Uh, I'm confident we'll be making this trip in the near future. With that in mind, the two resorts that are most interesting to us are uh, Boardwalk Villas and Beach Club. The main reason for these two choices are their proximity to Epcot and Hollywood Studios, which will obviously become more attractive for the ne- next 18 months. I'm not sure why... No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, you know, because Star Wars Land is going to be <laughs> opening. <laughs> and all the fun stuff that's opening at Epcot, too. All right, so we continue here. The hesitation with these resorts is the contract expiration dates of 2042. I know this is a main reason why the prices are so much more affordable on these resorts, but I'm wondering if you guys know how the contract extensions have worked in the past or might work in the future. That is, if I bought a contract at one of these resorts, one, do you think it's likely the owners would get the right to extend the contract? Two, would all the owners get the right or just owners who bought direct from DVC and not resale purchasers? And three, how long of an extension and what type of price point would there be for an extension? I know you guys don't have a crystal ball on what will happen at these happen at these two resorts, but I'm wondering if you guys know uh, much about the uh, old Key West extension and how that worked, and if you've heard any rumors about details on extension for Beach Club or Boardwalk. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work, Jay. That was a lot of information, a lot of things I want to talk about, but this is so lucky we have Russ on because if if it were just Trevor and I, we they, like literally we just go, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the answer would be no. I, I'm not sure. I have no idea. Um, but Russ, do you, do you know a little bit more about this? Yeah, so they made uh, an offer as part of the 15th year anniversary of DVC to extend Old Key West an additional 15 years. And it's sort of a one-time opportunity. And they had, um, it was a $15 uh, fee per point uh, to extend it 15 years. So basically a dollar per point per year. Um, and the the sort of the net of it was it was sort of a test because there's there's six resorts that all have an a, an expiration of 2042, the first six resorts they all pegged to that same year, and so it was sort of a test to see if that was gonna be well received and you know obviously since they never went beyond Old Key West I think overall it was sort of a mixed reception, um, and there's several reasons for that one is everyone had to return a notarized letter opting in or out, which was sort of an inconvenience to folks that didn't want to extend. Um, there's also some perceptions that the price was relatively high, you know, given the the price that it originally was sold for $50 a point. Um, and then also the resale prices at the time, which are around the same. And then, you know, there's also, um, you know, some thought that the folks that were not going to extend we're going to be you know have their points be worth less than the than the folks that were going to extend so it's sort of a mixed reception you'd think everyone would be happy about it but it was sort of you know a lot of folks opted out and so as a result i don't think they're gonna do that for the other five resorts at least not until they expire um it's really a it is a crystal ball to say okay what's going to happen when they expire i would say most likely they're just going to offer a discount um at the then current prices for the existing owners but that also assumes that they're actually going to redevelop that resort so they may also choose to just close the resort and do something else with that land so there's no guarantee that a beach club's even going to exist you know at the end of 2042 so when that contract Mm. expires i mean they could just you know tear down beach club and build something new there and start over yeah with the popularity of the parks they may say hey we want to expand epcot beach clubs right next to epcot it may just get a you know steamrolled so jeez and the other (laughs) thing i would say too is 
when you're looking at the resorts like like Beach Club that have a resale value of $144, sort of is the median right now, and you look at the new resorts like Disney's Riviera Resort, and with the current direct prices of around 185 uh, for like Copper Creek, you know, you're not too far off. So the thing I would recommend is wait a year because uh, Copper Creek's going to be sold out by mid-2019. Uh, Disney's Riviera Resort is going to come online in the fall. So if, you know, he's looking to buy in an Epcot Resort, what better than a brand new resort that has 50 years remaining versus Beach Club that has 25 years remaining? Uh, that's a good point. And also the fact that the Riviera will have the uh, the gondola close by as well, which is supposed to serve both Epcot and Hollywood Studios, correct? Yeah, exactly. So you'll have direct access um, via the Skyliner to both Hollywood Studios and Epcot. I do wonder, do you think they're going to sell those points at a premium over what they're offering for direct right now? You said 185 for Copper Creek. Do you think they're going to go higher for Riviera because of the proximity to Star Wars and because mm. of the, the gondola stop? I don't see how they couldn't. <laughs> yeah, and, and prices always go up, but then they also True. have promotions. So if you look at, like, at Copper Creek pre-sale, uh, which really wasn't a discount pre-sale, but they were offering promotions to everyone. Um, you know, the, the effective price after promotions was really around 165, even though we're at 185 right now. So <clears throat> they do offer a significant discount. So they'll raise prices, but then they'll discount them. So we probably will still be in that sort of 185 ballpark when it first goes on sale after the discounts. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know a good point. I, I I'm interested to see how Riviera turns out i mean i feel like we've heard very little about it you know it's kind of been they've been building it but i mean we when do you think that'll even go on sale i have no idea well they've officially said fall 2019 um at the current rate that (laughs) they've been declaring the copper creek uh, inventory available for sale it's going to be 100 percent declared by mid 2019 so they better have something ready by mid 2019 um, not that it's going to sell out at that point, but it's going to sure. be very close. You know, so this time, you know, next year, Copper Creek will be 100% declared and available for sale and for use by DVC members. Could you actually? That's you just brought up a good point because a couple podcasts ago, we actually talked about the whole declared thing, and we kind of knew what it meant, but we didn't. You know, we <laughs> we we didn't want to like uh, we we tried our best to explain what it meant, but could you explain what the declared? thing means uh, as far as the resorts go yeah so there's a declaration of condominium which is the sort of legal document that actually creates a dvc resort and that basically says okay it consists of this you know these deeds these units you know this physical description of property and so when the resort first goes on sale they don't declare all the units to dvc because disney wants to hold on to some of those to be used as hotels for you know direct cash guests so they basically just keep amending that initial declaration. And so we know there's 284 rooms at Copper Creek. And so right now we're about at the halfway point where it's halfway declared. So, you know, half of those rooms are available both for sale as well as for people to, you know, DVC members to book. And then, you know, like I say, at the current rate, it's going to be 100% declared by mid next year. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a great explanation. I actually think we did a decent job of explaining that last time, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even um, though we don't know what we're talking about. 
Uh, could I also, um, I, I did want to also circle back real quick on Jay's first part. Um, About so, never being to Disney World before and the craziness of it? Yeah, and 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 I think I would like to speak to this because I kind of came from the same position where we we started off the same as you, Jay, that we were in, we always went to Disneyland, and then, and then when we made the jump to Disney World, there was a bit of a shock there for sure. It, it is a lot bigger, and you do have to be prepared for the fact that, yeah, you're either getting on a bus or a monorail or a ferry boat or something to get from your or hotel. Gondola. Yeah, or a gondola <laughs> to... to to the parks from your resort. Um, the one thing I'll say though, and, and I see people say this all the time is, you know, you know, they tell you to plan, but then people also tell you to go with the flow as well. And, and like, if you read online, it, 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 it kind of bugs me a little bit the way people say that because um, they make it sound as if go with the flow means, you know, drop every, like drop the plan entirely and just, you know, ignore it and just see what happens. But really um, what I'll say to this is, you know, absolutely be prepared to plan for this trip, but also don't be afraid to let your plans slip or let things change on a whim. Like you can, you can change your plans mid flight as you're there. And, you know, even things like fast passes and stuff, a lot of people make it sound like, you know, there, you know, the fast passes, it's like, you know, if you don't get them six months in advance, you'll never get them. That's not true. I've gotten a flight of passage fast pass the day I got to animal kingdom. So anyone saying that it's not possible, it's, it's not as bad as you think. So definitely, you know, take the time to plan, but also be willing to change that plan at any point while you're on your trip. So yeah, don't be I, freaked out. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And and it's, it's really not as it's, it's huge and it's definitely different. I've never been to Disneyland, but I, I know, you know, that Disneyland is all together and it's right there. And, you know, it, it is going to be a shock to the system to go to Disney world for you for sure. Um, it, you know, because you do have to take transportation everywhere, but uh, you know, there's a lot of neat things that come with that because the parks are much larger and there's, you know, four parks to choose from. And like Trevor said, you know, I've always argued a lot of people don't like the new fast pass system. I've because they feel like it takes away spontaneity. And I feel like it actually adds to spontaneity. I think you can be more spontaneous with the new fast pass system. And I mean an example is a, my trip I took last year, we ended up getting eight fast passes in one day because, you know, we just kept every time we used one, we would check for another one. And I'm not talking like, you know, rides that no one wants to go on i mean I, I we're talking big thunder mountain and then we park hopped over to epcot and we got a soren followed directly by a test track so i mean you can do it you just have to know the the tips and the tricks so my recommendation to you to you would be to do a lot of research as much as you can um you know find out as much as you can about where you want to stay and things like that um you know of course you can uh, but that's the great thing about being a DVC member, right? Is you can, there's a, you know, there's so many of those different resorts that you can stay at, um, you know, before you buy in, I mean, I would definitely say you can, you know, I, I think you'll be able to snag a reservation at a, at a boardwalk or, or a beach club and stay at one of those places and see if you like it. Maybe you decide you want to buy there or you can wait for Riviera, which will also be right there. So yeah, yeah I mean, that's try that's before you buy. <laughs> exactly. Try before you buy. Right. So um, I'm actually thinking of my my trip in October next year, which you know, actually, you know, obviously October of 2019 is pretty far off at this point. But I'm thinking I'm going to stay at Beach Club because I've never stayed there before. Always wanted to go there, and I really liked Boardwalk, and I've always heard great things about Beach Club. So, thinking I'm going to do that next time. So anyway, that's an aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, any anything else we want to mention to Jay? Uh, we we appreciate you writing in. I, I hope that helped a little bit. And and thank you, Russ, for having answers because literally yeah, Trevor sure. and I would just be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, 
So anything else you want to add, Russ, before we uh, move on to the next listener here? Well, I just sort of chuckled at the bus comment. It It is one of those things, you know, when you're sort of new to Walt Disney World, you think of like a Greyhound bus or a Chicago City bus, and it's, you know, nothing like that. These are, you know, very comfortable, very relaxing, quiet, air-conditioned. Um, we actually prefer to take the buses when even when we drive and we have our car with us because we don't want to come out to our car and get into a hot, you know, 110-degree car. Um, we'd rather just get on the nice, cold, air-conditioned bus and sleep on the way back or you know relax i i totally agree with that i don't mind the buses at all i know yeah, people I, people hate the buses i don't mind the buses yeah i'll say this too i've i've never rented a car when i've gone to disney world so it, it's perfectly viable to just use their transportation plus you can take the monorail from epcot to, to magic kingdom if you want to you can take it from magic kingdom back to and, epcot the monorail is great too you know and there's there is ferries from uh, Boardwalk and Beach Club to Epcot, so yeah. and Hollywood yeah. Studios, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's I mean it's it's great to be able to stay on property like that. I think it sounds overwhelming before you get in, and and you know in my kind of side life as a as a travel agent, you know it, people come to Disney travel agents because it's an overwhelming thing to go to Disney world. But, uh, you know, if you do enough research and you, and you really look into it, it's not that bad. Um, it's not as overwhelming as it feels. Uh, you know, Disney's got the, my Disney experience app, which has an insane amount of information in it, um, to, uh, for, you know, to get around the resort and, and all the different things you can do with the resort. So, uh, that'll help too. So hopefully that all, I'll help you Jay, uh, write us back in, let us know if that, that helps you out at all. Um, we did get another email in reference to our last episode from a uh, Newell, um, and he said, hello, I've, oh, I always wanted to chime in when you guys talk about how few points you have. Um, Newell, I, you know, I think you're hurting my feelings a little bit here by saying I have very few points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of points, so we're going to get into that in a second here. <laughs> this is impressive. This it's is very impressive. impressive. <laughs> I, I'm impressed. I'm jealous. <laughs> I want to know what your dues are every year. Um, so he says, I started with 150 Vero beach points, uh, purchase resale and quickly discovered that was not going to cut it. First off perspective, we travel to the parks for run Disney events. So almost every trip, everything is sold out except for Saratoga. Generally we do two world trips and one Disneyland trip, although cur- Disneyland's not currently doing runs. So they're doing Disney world more often, um, with without, uh, with only having uh, Vero beach points, all the world resorts for seven months. So Saratoga, Saratoga was often our only choice. And Saratoga is not located well for the runs, so they sold their Vero, Vero Beach points for a slight profit and pledged uh, to only buy from direct from Disney for new points uh, so they could use the po- points for out-of-park options as well. Um, so now he has 126 Animal Kingdom points, 118 Copper Creek, uh, 100 of Polynesian, 295 of Grand Californian. My goodness. I don't even know what the total is on that because I didn't add it up, but it's like, I don't know, 600-something. That sound right? <laughs> it's a lot of points. So uh, yeah, I mean, five five something. But yeah, or, yeah. No four. Sorry, yeah, six. Yeah, six something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're not good at math on this show. Um, with <laughs> he said, with this, we're able to book at eleven months for all of our trips and switch to other resorts at seven months, depending on availability. Bottom line, we can now do what we want, but also have, uh, but also never have points that go unused as we get seven months booking often enough to use up the onesie twosie points that end up floating around. So, thanks for writing in. Uh, that's an interesting, uh, you know, different kind of take on how he did things because we we do often talk about you know, buying where you want to stay, um, you know, whether, you know, you should do that or not. 
Um, you know, so it, it kind of seems like you decided you wanted to buy where you wanted to stay and, and, and went ahead and did that and, uh, you know, bought those different points. So we appreciate you writing in with, with that thought. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to get more points so we can get on your level. Um, <laughs> yeah, hey, we're, we're, yeah, we're working on it. I mean, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. I, my, my wife and I, we, we talk about it quite regularly that we, I know we only have a hundred at, at Polynesia and we're going, uh, do we, maybe we should get more and, and. I mean, I, I can definitely see, uh, I can see the point here um, about, yeah, having the extra points so you can, you know, change it up at the seven month mark, right? And, you know, kind of pick those other resorts. And, and again, also, you know, how we talk about inventory as well is that, you know, these extra points give you the flexibility that you're not, re- uh, you're not just looking at, you know, studios as you can, you know, look at one and two bedrooms and stuff and, and have the, the freedom to play around with your points a little more. So... For sure, yeah. When you yeah. with that many points, you can you know stay in some. I mean, you could stay at a Grand Villa if you wanted to. Although it'd still be hard to stay at one of the bungalows for more than like two nights because those things are an insane amount of points. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. they are, but they're very pretty. I'll I'll give them that. <laughs> I'd lo- I'd love to stay in one of those. Um. So so thanks, Noah. We appreciate that. So some some more DVC uh, information here, and this is straight off of DVCinfo.info.com. dot com. So thanks for us. <coughs> um. Basically, uh, the member site has now been uh, enhanced or, you know, according to some people on Facebook, not enhanced, uh, you know, made worse from some of the things I've seen from a couple people. Um, But the member site has been enhanced to allow guests to search for multiple resorts at a time, modify existing reservations and search for only home resorts. The resort availability tool is gone technically, and it's been merged with the booking tool. So it's all in one place. It's all together now. Uh, So you can, you know, view availability and book in the same tool. I, I I think these are great changes. Um, I I love the idea of being able to modify a, re- a resort reservation, and maybe that's just me because I don't like calling member services. I prefer the more things I can do on my own, the better. I think, but I, I know I'm kind of maybe in the minority on that, and I I, I do like the changes of the, the idea of the, having the availability and being able to book right there and being able to search in a different place. But I want to know what you guys think too. Well, so I I do agree with you, Tom, that. This is um, this is a lot nicer to, to get through and navigate through. I think for making simple changes, it's good. Um, when you have to get into, um, I want to call some of the more complex changes that, like, if you end up, you know, doing split stays and wait lists and and a bunch of different things, I would still rather phone member services just because. Um, I did have a look at the site and it doesn't quite look clear enough to me yet for doing all of that, those advanced kind of things. So it, it does still have its limitations. However, though, as far as the usability of the site goes, to me, it looks very much uh, like the My Disney Experience site. So like if you, if you log on to the DisneyWorld.go.com and log into your profile there and like if you wanted to buy, you know, um, or book fast passes and stuff like that it looks like they've unified that experience so i think it's a i think visually the old site was definitely very dated and i'm glad that they made this update to it because it keeps everything looking disney so all in all i think it was i think it was a good one yeah and a couple things to add so one question that came up is can you walk reservations now with this new tool and the answer is no and that can be perceived as a good or bad thing depending on who you are so basically if you have like a five-day reservation you want to add a sixth day all six days have to be available for you to modify that reservation not just that sixth day you'll have to still call to have that day added or a day removed 
Okay, so you still, if you need to, if you want to add a day or, or, you know, or remove a day, you still have to call. Yeah, so the entire reservation has to be available, even though you already have five of the days, and you only need the sixth one. So knowing Disney IT, that probably was an unintentional feature, but it actually benefits (laughs) folks who are concerned about, you know, excessive walking walking at the seven-month window. Um, So it sort of has an inadvertent benefit, uh, but it, it is something to keep in mind, you know, if you're you know you made a reservation at seven months and then at nine months you need to change a day you're not going to be able to do it because now it's sold out so you can't you can't just go online and modify that one day okay that's interesting i also saw on there that you said that they removed the ability to add the dining plan on there any idea why they did that yeah so that actually happened a couple of weeks before this change i just sort of included that in the announcement because it is a change in the new site um and someone uh who who actually is a contractor for DVC sort of went into some of the detail and said you know that you know they, that that was actually a change on the dining plan site that basically okay. broke the interface that uh, the DVC site had so it was sort of <laughs> you know dining plan changed their site and broke broke the functionality so now you need to call <laughs> so maybe they'll fix that at some point or they're just <laughs> that's that's pretty funny if that's just yeah. the way that happened and the other the other interesting thing about um uh these changes uh so there is one new feature so it sort of looks like the resort availability tool when you first go into it and there's one new feature there where you can select all walt disney world resorts in the past you'd had to select all and then uncheck hilton head vero beach alani now you can just say i want all walt disney world resorts which is sort of nice the one nit there Mm -hmm. though is it doesn't check the walt disney resorts that you own those are like in a separate group so you have to check both the resorts you own and Walt Disney World. And if you happen to own Hilton Head, Vero Beach, or Alani, you'll still have to uncheck those, you know, since those are in your, you know, resorts that you own. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, I, have, I, I have to be honest, I haven't really gotten on there and messed around with it yet. But it, have you seen, Russ, do you feel like these are positive changes, that it's it's working better? And, I mean, I, I know you have a lot of forums on your site, too. I'm wondering what the reaction is from your crowd. Yeah, I, I played around with it the first day. I was actually making several reservations that day. So um, I, I got a lot of timeouts, but I think it was just because, you know, people were all checking out the new functionality. And, you know, that's sort of par for the course for disney sites anyways where you get to the end of your reservation and then you see the seven dwarfs saying hey something bad happened stitch Um, the page yeah (laughs) i'll just chalk that up to it was the first day and everyone was checking it out so that aside i think the functionality is good and the ability to change reservations i'm like you i don't want to call and you know spend 20 minutes talking to somebody i'd rather just go online and do it even if it ends up taking 20 minutes um it just seems like you know it's more in your control and uh and just self-service. So I think it's I'm, positive. That's good. I'm all for self-service. <laughs> what are the other things you put on there too on your site? And, and it was a different post, but it's slightly related, it seems like, is that a, a connecting studios category briefly popped up on the tool for for uh, Polly, which is you know of particular interest to Trevor because that's his home resort. Um, do you, <laughs> is, is that still on there? Is that, or is that, was that something that was on and taken off? I mean, is that something they're going to start offering is connecting? Cause that just seems like you're making two room reservations, right? Is that, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've always that? been able to request it. It's just been a room request and not a booking category. And the reality is literally every room at Polly is a connecting studio. So 
odds are they'll be able to get you that room request. You know, it'd be very uh, unusual if they weren't able to honor that. Um, but this just gives people that sort of warm, fuzzy feeling when you book, you know, if this category exists, um, that you for sure have it. it. It showed up on the resort availability tool, which, as you mentioned, went away like two days later. So um, it's no longer there, but obviously somebody spent a lot of time putting that capability in and it was fully functional. I mean, it was like you could see the availability for that category. It wasn't just like the in name only. So they had it working at least on the resort availability tool. It wasn't added to the booking tool though. And now we know the two have combined. So my guess is they weren't, they're sort of trying to test the waters prior to this new tool being released. Um, but, and then they'll eventually add that back in. You know, I, I can't imagine they would go to all that trouble and then not do it. I, I mean, I would, I would assume that too, but you, you never know, right? <laughs> yeah. Some of the comments I saw about that too, were that, uh, some people were concerned that they were, they were changing how the rooms were being allocated or something to that extent, which I, to me, it's very fuzzy is that it, it they, they, some people made it sound like it could be a potential breach of the contract that we signed when we, when we bought our DVC points with that resort. Yeah. But, I mean, there's always rumors of yeah. people doing a point reallocation at, uh, or DVC doing a point reallocation. And so this is sort of feeds that rumor of like, well, and Hey, are they going to lower the points on bungalows finally? And then use this as a way to raise them. And I can't imagine they would do that. I mean, a connecting studio is literally two studios. It's going to always be double the points of a studio. They may raise the studio points and decrease the bungalow points. That's possible um, as long as the overall change is, you know, neutral. But, you yeah. know, that's a completely different conversation. I don't think this would spur that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I guess the way I looked at it is, you know, there's clearly enough people, you know, asking for those connecting rooms anyway, that they probably just simplified it, you know, save people, you know, doing two different bookings and then phoning and telling them to put them together is, you know, you just do it all in one step, right? Where you just say, I want two connecting rooms. Yeah, I'm actually really surprised they didn't do this while it was on sale, because this was a common complaint that I heard when it was on sale, like, you know, basically poly's only studios and sales guides would always say well no you can book you know basically the equivalent of a one bedroom you know two rooms or two bedrooms depending on how you look at it um and had they had this category i think just psychologically it makes that seem more real and and i mean even for myself we always book one bedrooms and so i'm always and we own at poly so we'll just use it for like one or two day stays because a whole week in a single room is just too much um but now with this category, I'm actually considering like, oh, well, I could book that instead of a one bedroom. So, I mean, it does have a, you know, sort of a subtle psychological impact. You know, you're, you start considering it as a second room category. And let me say, too, if you do have those two joining rooms, not only do you have two rooms, you also have four bathrooms. that always threw i mean when i stayed at poly last year i i was in there and i was like wait what there's two bath why are there two bathrooms this is weird (laughs) anyway well one's um, only a half bath one's a half yeah one okay yeah one's the the, the one that's a full bath is huge like it's like why did they make it that big you know they could have made the room bigger they could have made the room bigger exactly so there had to be uh, some structural wall or something that forced them to have it that big 
it had to be something strange like that. So, all right, cool. Uh, so now, I, I mean, I think these are good things. Um, you know, the next thing we have on our list here, um, and I, and sorry for this, Russ, but I, this is literally just us grilling you on a couple things because you, you know, some more about this stuff than we do. Um, so we've been talking for weeks, actually, um, since you basically first reported a while ago about uh, the the mysterious Project Eighty Nine that was out there. Uh, and then you had connected it to a former, uh, uh, a proposed announced, uh, resort that was going to be built on the former river country site. So I guess my question for you is, do you think that's actually going to happen? I mean, do you think it's, it's going to be the same resort? Do you think they're going to come up with something new? I mean, it seems like this was pretty far in the planning process. Why redo all that work? Right. And if you already have it. Yeah. Done. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be the same resort, but I mean, what we do know is they filed a permit to do borings, which the reason you would do that is to evaluate the foundation uh, uh, to build a building on top of it. You know, is this swampland basically, you know, solid enough to support a you know multi multi layer building? Um, so that was the first tea leaf. The second tea leaf is now they're cl- clearing land and you know and having a stockpile um, for basically construction activity, and you know, the, and it's explicitly in the permit that that's what they're doing. So. You know, we know they're building something. The question is what? Um, the rumor is, is that it's a 700-room hotel with 300 of the rooms being for DVC. But at this point, that's just a rumor. Um, and that 300 sounds like a small percent, but it's actually 70% of the bays. If you consider, like, each hotel room a bay, then, you know, a DVC villa can take up two bays for a one bedroom or three bays for a two bedroom or four bays for a three bedroom. So it's actually taking up 70% of the space, you know, for those 300 rooms. But that's just based on a single rumor at this point. But it's a very specific rumor, so I tend to place some credence to it. So, but do do you think that they would come up with something completely new if they were going to do that hotel? Or do you think that that, that old concept that was announced, do you think that that's what they would build there? Yeah, I mean, like I say, we know they're building something, and we also know that in 2011 they had fully baked plans to build a DVC resort there. So I think we can safely assume that if they're going (laughs) to build something, DVC will be a part of it. I think it will be completely different than what we saw back in the 2011 plans just because, you know, seven years have passed. They've learned more about members and what they want. Um, There's now a second DVC right next door. Uh, at Wilderness Lodge, so they want to differentiate it. They don't want it just to be another, you know, wilderness theme, um, sort of a third Wilderness Lodge. Uh, you know, they probably want to do something different there. We like to recklessly, recklessly speculate on the show, Russ. So, yeah. <laughs> so Damon insists that it's called Haunted River Country at this point. So that's what we're calling the resort. <laughs> so actually, call- that's interesting. So I, I do think it would make sense to have to extend the River Country theme. And yes. have a yeah. water park be the central feature. So this is what I've been saying. This yeah. is what I've been saying. Like so, they, they so can... right where River Country was, why not put a big lazy river and you know several water slides and and that'll just sort of be the theme and it'll be a throwback to people that you know went to River Country as a kid and it's like wow River Country's coming back but you got to buy DVC to stay there. So <laughs> it could be an amazing homage to River Country. Yeah. If they do this right, I, I I think they will. I I just think that that's the smart route to go. I they, people love nostalgia. Disney sells nostalgia. That's what they sell. And you know, people miss River Country. Uh, you know, whether 
whether it was that great or if it's just in their mind it was that great. <laughs> so if they threw some river country theming in there, I think it would be that would be a really really cool resort. Yeah, and just to feed that rumor, if you look at the original plans real close, there actually is sort of a lazy river style pool and a and a pretty large pool um, right pretty much where river country used to be. So you know, I, I think that it's not just rampant speculation to say that that might be the theme. I mean, speaking for myself, having having a, a lazy river inside of a resort that would be that would be a pretty huge thing because right now the only way you can get that is going to Blizzard Beach or Typhoon Lagoon, right? So, and Beach Club has a little bit of a lazy river type uh, pool as well. So, oh, do they? But but people love that, right? So I mean, the, yeah. the Pirate yeah. Bay at Beach Club is like the number one reason people say they love Beach Club is they have basically three pools that all connect into a super pool and have sort of a, a, a it's not exactly a lazy river it's sort of shaped like a river but it's really just a pool so i think it'd be something similar to that awesome okay yeah i'm excited about this go ahead trevor i'm sorry no go ahead i'm i'm good <laughs> <laughs> so i i wanted to ask you because this is a russ because this is a topic that comes up a lot on this show um how do what are your thoughts on buy where you stay because where you want to stay because we uh, we've talked about this so many times on the show and for me i own a bay lake but i've stayed there once and i've stayed everywhere or like you know everywhere else all the other times i visited so for me i didn't feel like it was that important to buy where i stay because i've always been able to get where i want and not to speak for damon but damon just somehow always magically books whatever he wants like two months out we're not really sure how he does it, but he, he always gets what he wants, right? <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. every time. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I uh, still don't get it. <laughs> I don't either. But so I so I'm curious though to see what your thoughts are on the on the buy where you want to stay type of conversation. Yeah, I actually have sort of a contrarian perspective than most people, and and maybe it's just worthwhile to state it, even if it's you know even if I agree with most people in general. You like contrarian. Um, you like contrarian. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, one, you can buy a lot more points if you are flexible and you can purchase a resort like Saratoga Springs that has 35 years remaining than a resort where you really want to stay like Beach Club that has 25 years remaining. So both you're getting more points over the life of the contract and you're paying a heck of a lot less um, per point up front. So just think of it as, you know, if you're going to buy enough points, you know, like the previous person who who wrote in, you know, if you want to buy enough points to go to Disney two or three times a year, it's going to be a lot easier to do that if you have flexibility. And as long as you have that flexibility, then, and you don't really care where you're going to stay at seven months, then I, you know, you are going to, you know, for the most part, be able to stay at some nice resorts. You're not always going to get stuck at Saratoga Springs and Saratoga is not a bad resort, but I wouldn't want to stay there every single time. So, you know, my advice is it depends. Um, if you're buying, if you're renting one bedrooms, one bedrooms are real easy to book at seven months. And I know this cause that's what we always book. And we own Saratoga for the majority of our points. So I've been in that boat and we've gotten, you know, either animal kingdom, Bay Lake, uh, beach club, you know, one of the top three or four resort, you know, two or three resorts that we want to stay at every single time, um, in spring, fall, Christmas, uh, you name it. Now studios are a different story. Studios are really hard to book, um, so if, if you're adamant about staying somewhere in a studio and you're, you know, you only go, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas every year, you know, definitely buy where you want to stay. 
Um, but if you're going two or three times a year, different times of year, if you're flexible where you stay, I'd say go for the value, you know, buy the best value and uh, be flexible and you'll actually enjoy all the resorts. That was a really great nuanced answer. I liked it. <laughs> we don't have that much nuance on the show usually, so I appreciate that. <laughs> well, the other thing too is it's going to change over time. So like, right, you know, yeah. your kids are going to want to go to Magic Kingdom you know, 90% of the time when they're young, but then as they get older, they're going to want to go to Star Wars land at, at DHS. And then, you know, maybe on a kid's free trip, you're going to want to go to Epcot or Disney Springs. And so the resort that you're going to want to stay at is going to change over time. So, you know, having that flexibility is sort of important because it's not going to be, it may be the same for five or 10 years, but it's going to change for the next five or 10 years. Wow. Yeah. That's a good point too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I totally agree. Even we're we're kind of in that transition phase ourselves right now where, you know, our son, he was young enough that, yeah, you know, Magic Kingdom or well, looking at Magic Kingdom, you know, we used to go into Fantasyland a lot. And even on this last trip, we spent, you know, maybe an hour in Fantasyland total for the entire time we were there because he's getting to that age where, he, yeah, he wants to go on the bigger rides and all that. And I can see the same kind of thing happening where, yeah, he'll want to be over at Star Wars Land more than anything else in the next couple of years. So yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Russ. I think that's a good way to approach it. Yeah. Trevor, do you have uh, any questions for, for Russ that you uh, DVC wise that you want to ask before? Cause I've been, I feel like, uh, you know, monopolizing all <laughs> well, this knowledge over here. D- did we, or so we didn't talk about the Riviera yet. Have we, um, we briefly brought it up. Yeah. Um, so I guess for me that, uh, so I stayed at um, Caribbean Beach uh, last year, and I looked at the Riviera, and I guess I I don't know how I feel about it. I, like, I don't know how I should feel about that as a hotel. So I guess, do, do you have any insight into into the Riviera, as or like what we should be looking for as far as that hotel goes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at the announcement, it's it looks like your sort of classic luxury you know, hotel. It doesn't look like a Disney themed hotel. Um, but I think there's also a market for that. It's sort of unique because it is your traditional, you know, sort of four star hotel, you know, looking, um, accommodation. So I think for as many people that will hate it, there'll be a subset that will like it. Um, I also think because it has the Skyliner going into Hollywood and and into Epcot, it's just going to be wildly popular, both to buy as well as for people to want to stay there. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things like everyone poo pooed Polly when it came out and said, well, it's only studios and no one's ever going to want to stay there. And, you know, it turns out it's you know hugely popular. So I think too, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I see. So for me, I look at Riviera and I think to myself, cause we don't, we're not fancy people. And I feel like it feels too fancy for us. Like I, I look at it and I'm like, I, I don't know. It feels like it's a little too much for me. But at the same time, I could definitely see myself eating at the restaurant they're going to put on the roof, like California Grill style, because we do that all the time uh, when we go, you know, when we're at a, when we take our trips, we always go to California Grill because it's, you know, you get that amazing view and it's a great restaurant. So I could see us going in there for that. I, I just don't, I don't know. It's just maybe not my style. Yeah, it's sort of like Grand Floridian where, you know, a lot of people love Grand Floridian, the feel, and then some people just sort of say it's too hoity-toity and, you know, whatever. So 
but the same thing. I mean, there's there's a subset of people that just love Grand Floridian. They'll only stay at Grand Floridian, even though it's the highest points, you know, of any MK uh, or really of any DVC resort. Yeah, I uh, agree. I, and I, I mean, I think it looks neat. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I just, I don't know. I, I would, I wouldn't say I wouldn't stay there because I, I'd like to stay at all of the resorts at some point. You know, I, I think it's be fun to stay at each resort at least once, uh, you know, w- you know, during my membership here. And I, I, I plan to do so. Um, but it, I don't know for me, it's not that appealing. I know Damon's all about it. Damon has been talking about buying into there as soon as that comes available. So he's not here to, to gush about it, but <laughs> yeah. And, well, and, it, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, it sort of ties into the direct versus resale conversation we had earlier about, you know, do you buy at a beach club that has 25 years or at a, you know, Riviera resort that has 50 years, and, you know, again, offering a contrarian perspective, I, I think the new resorts are actually really good value just because they have that length of contract. Um, you're essentially buying twice the number of points over the life of the contract as a beach club or a boardwalk or um, a Boulder Ridge. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a tr- I think all of the Epcot resorts are going to go up uh, in popularity, you know, as we talked about uh, with Toy Story and Star Wars and the new Epcot um, attractions. Um, and, and given that, I think it's going to be, you know, having a new resort there is going to be very popular, you know, regardless of the theming. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a, a great answer. I'm, I'm interested to see more details about it when they start, re- you know, releasing because I feel like we've only seen the picture of the outside. Right. Like I, they haven't shown like lobby or like what the restaurant's going to look right. Any of that stuff? I don't think. No. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. And that, that's kind of why I wanted to ask you, Russ, because I just haven't all we've seen is that one picture of the outside. And so I don't really know how to feel about it. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. They haven't really shown us much. I think we will see a preview at the uh, annual uh, DVC condo member, condo association meeting, um, which has been announced. Um, It's I think December 13th, it's a Thursday. um, And that's typically when they'll talk about new resorts. So they'll probably be a big unveil um, of the details at that meeting. So I'm hoping to find out more then. Awesome. Well, I think this is probably a record for the show, Trevor. I think this is the most we've ever talked DVC on this show. Yeah. <laughs> this never... is good though. I, I, I like this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. I, and um, I hope the listeners are enjoying this too. Um, so, you know, just to move on to non DVC things, uh, you know, cause we do have a lot of other fun stuff to talk about and we're, we've got like, we're already at like 45 minutes here. So, <laughs> Uh, thank, and you know, thanks to all of our listeners to, to listen, you know, to us for hours at a time. Uh, you know, we know we do long podcasts and, you know, I think people, some, most people enjoy it anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most people enjoy the long one. Uh, and we're going to talk about Disneyland today because Damon's not here to talk about how much he doesn't care about Disneyland. Um, so, <laughs> uh, California Adventure doing a paid preview for Pixar land. There was an article in the wall street journal about how this is a test for uh, a dynamic pricing model. Um, so if you don't know about this, basically uh, for Pixar Pier, they... Why did I put Pixar Land in there? I don't know why I put that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pixar Same Pier. It, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know, it's just like Star Wars Land is called Galaxy's Edge. I'm never not calling it Star Wars Land. That's just... <laughs> like, I'm never yeah. calling it... Who's going to call that Galaxy's Edge? Anyway, um, so there was this event cost $299 per person for basically six hours of access to this land the day before the general public included some food and stuff like that too. But, um, 
they're they're talking about this being a test for dynamic pricing. In my mind, this is a test for how much they can charge for Star Wars Land as a preview, because. As DVC members and as some of us as annual pass holders, kind of used to the free preview, right? Where where do you get, you're a DVC member, so you get let in early and you can check all this stuff out. And it doesn't cost you anything, and and I think Disney's realizing, oh, maybe we can charge people for that. Um, and, and and you know, you notice with with Toy Story Land, no preview for for um, APs. Now there's going to be a, a, an annual pass holder thing that's happening afterwards, but. You know, at that point, the the park's going to be open for a couple months. It's you know, it's not like a, a you know a special thing getting in early. So, I'm curious to th- th- see what you guys think of this because I, I thought this was interesting. I personally would never pay three hundred dollars per person to go for six hours to any land, no matter what. It, I mean, would you guys pay three hundred for Star Wars? I, I I'm sure there's Star Wars people out there that would. I don't yeah. Know. So, um, first of all, no. Um, <laughs> not not three hundred dollars no, for period. six hours, um, but also I I'd like to point this out too. Um, so Pixar Pier is um, and the, the, it's Pixar Pier is in the middle of Disneyland. Disneyland is in the middle of Anaheim, which is in part of, which is in the larger metropolitan area of LA. It's a very different dynamic from what you get in Florida. It's a it's a different. There's a lot more locals. There's a lot more people in within driving distance of that place. So, um, and so I think the reason that you know it looks like they're charging a lot is that they know they can in that particular area. They know that they will get a lot of people that will buy into it in that area and have no problem paying that kind of money. That's not everybody. That's not tourists. Don't expect you know. People that are, you know, planning their, you know, once in a lifetime trip to Disneyland, that's not the people they're going for. They're going for the people that, you know, are are there all the time and that want to pay for this kind of thing. So, um, again, over in Florida, they it's not the same thing because, yeah, they're close to or they're it's, you know, in Orlando. But the the, the like if you look at the size of, of the larger L.A. area to Orlando, there's there's way more people in L.A. So. Again, that's why they. I, that's why I think they're doing this specific to, specific to LA because I would also say that if they were really interested in, you know, doing this across the board for all of their early access stuff, you would have seen the same thing for Toy Story Land because really Pixar Pier is kind of the answer on the West Coast to Toy Story Land. Sure. And and they didn't do that for Toy Story Land, so I think this is something just specific to the West Coast. Yeah, I was going to bring up the Toy Story example as well because they did announce that there's going to be an annual pass holder event for Toy Story Land. It's not going to be at the very opening, but it's going to be shortly thereafter. So, and that's free for annual pass holders. So, I mean, that sort of shows you that different dynamic that you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. I, I do wonder though. I, I I wonder how many annual pass holders were not pleased with the fact they're not getting early access though. Like, do you, do you think they're just okay with whatever they get? Or, like, because I, I, I could see, I mean, I haven't seen any DVC members complaining about not getting early access to Toy Story Land, but, I mean, I'm sure there's some that are like, why are we getting a preview? You know, I, I'm sure there's some out there, but I don't know. No, you know I guess, uh, well, I don't speak for all annual pass holders because, I mean, I'm, I am an annual pass holder, but I'm a fairly new one. And does it really matter if you're first one in the gate? I mean, to me, it's, you know, the fact that they're even offering, you know, an event where, you know, you get a, uh, you know, a, an exclusive event for being a pass holder or a DVC member. The fact that they're offering that, I don't care when they offer it. I think just having that as a, 
is a greater benefit than, you know, being the first one in the door. And also, do you really want to be the first one in the door? Because they have the most amount of problems <laughs> right sure. around opening day, right? So I, I'd I rather do. wait a few months. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's fair. I just I do just do wonder if this is a, I, I just feel like they're testing the waters to do this for Star Wars land. Because you, you know there are a lot of people out there that would pay hundreds of dollars to get into that land early. So I I don't think you're wrong, but I think it will happen in California. But I just don't see it happening Orlando. in Florida. Just not in Florida. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. I can see that. I don't know. Russ, are you going to say something? I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so one thing we, we know is they, they already have Star Wars nights at Hollywood Studios. And that's even without a Star Wars land. So, I mean, they're absolutely going to continue to do those just like they do the after hours events at Magic Kingdom, um, the paid after hours events. So, you know, they are going to charge a premium for people to have exclusive access to Hollywood Studios in the evening, you know, during peak times. Um, we know that cause they're already doing it even without a star Wars land. So, I mean, they'd be crazy to not do it when star Wars land is open. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how that all turns out. I mean, I, I know people are always like Disney's always gouging people for money, but as long as there are people willing to pay the money, then they're going to keep doing it. You know, they, they don't do things that aren't making the money. That's then they are a business. So I, you know, it's at the end of the day, if it's not people aren't buying into it, then they're not going to do it. So, well, so and, and two for DVC, I think you know it'd make a lot of sense to have like a Moonlight Magic event at Hollywood Studios once you know Toy Story Land opens and once Star Wars Land opens. So I think DVC members may see a free version of that, just like we see a free version of the After Hours events now. So this could end up being a good. A good thing for DVC members, you know, everyone else is going to have to pay for it, but you might be able to get it free depending on what dates you're there. What if they can, can they can they say like, and I don't know if this is like legal or anything. You know, I know the timeshare industry is like heavily regulated. What if they said for Riviera as a purchase incentive, they said purchase Riviera and you'll get early access to, or you know, not early access, but exclusive access to Star Wars Land for a certain time. Can they do that? I mean, like separately. I think it would be an interesting incentive. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to date, I don't think they've ever offered a member benefit to just one group of owners. I think it's been to all owners, you know, that are all direct owners or owners that were grandfathered in for uh, certain benefits. They've never just done it for a certain resort. I think yeah, it'd be interesting if they did. Sorry. I, I, I just can't imagine the... Uh... The blowback they would get on that, though, <laughs> people would be so mad. People yeah, would be so mad. Oh man, people get mad over just about everything. So because it's you know I I kind of I don't laugh because I know people get upset about this, but the when I see uh, people getting upset about the Moonlight Magic events and it's. I, you know, every time one of them goes on, you see a bunch of posts saying like, oh, it was so crowded and there were too many people there, uh, you know, didn't feel like it was a good uh, a good thing for members. And then on the flip side, you get all the people that try to register that the dates come open uh, for them to register. And they're like, oh, they need to open more spots for this. Uh, you know, I didn't get in. And it's like, man, what's Disney supposed to do? You know, it's either depending on who you ask, there's too many people there or not enough people there. So it, regardless, that's a kind of an aside. But just to move on here unless you guys want to say anything else good nope we're good i put this in here because i thought this was funny <laughs> i don't get it i just 
Okay. I mean, what yeah, you do? Okay. <laughs> okay. So Disney's done it, doing a contest, and we don't need to talk about this for a long time. I just think this is hilarious. Um, <laughs> Disney's doing a contest where you can win um, a glamping excursion in Pandora. So you can, for one night, basically, you can camp in Pandora. Um, <laughs> just think it's, it's <laughs> only for it's it's kind of like the Cinderella Castle suite. Uh, for you know a, a contest winner, but I, I don't know. I just think this is kind of hilarious and weird. I, would you guys do this? I, I I probably wouldn't. I just I would feel really odd about it. And how are they going to like make sure that the person just doesn't go wandering around? Like, is there going to be a cast member that just stands there all night and make sure that they don't just you know go go wandering around this park? I don't know. I just feel like this is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, I scratched my head when I saw this too. I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah. weird. Well, and and I, I don't know. I mean, for me personally, or well, I guess not me personally. It, it's more my wife than me. But, you know, when we're sleeping, you know, we like to have it dark when we're sleeping. And Pandora is not somewhere that I could sleep comfortably. <laughs> like, What if you have to get up in the middle of the night and go use the restroom? Like, that's just, it's just oh, weird. I, I'm well, like, the lights will even... be on, so. <laughs> <laughs> and you're out in the Florida, I mean, it's, you know, hot and st- it's, they got to be doing it during a time of the year where it's not like, you know, July. Because I would not be wanting to camp outside in July. I mean, I yeah. know it's glamping, right? So you're not like really camping, camping, but still, I need air conditioning. Just saying. <laughs> yeah again i just yeah it, it, it's it's a weird choice for an event and also you know i mean just you know pandora i know i know that they're ramping it up and you know there's gonna be more avatar movies coming and stuff but it, it just feels like they're like i don't know who would be excited about this <laughs> <laughs> i i'm sure some like hardcore avatar fans would be but i don't know and Disney might own Avatar in, in a little bit here, too. So <laughs> that's another fun thing here. But I don't know. I just thought this was funny, and I wanted to, to talk about it. Because I'm, I'm just thinking, I was like, even if I won this contest, I'd be like, no, I'm good. Pick somebody else. You know? <laughs> um, so we like to do, Russ, just so you know, we like to, and we haven't done this in a while. But when there's like a lot of little pieces of news that there's not a lot to talk about with, uh, we like to do something we call a speed round. Usually Damon times this, but that's okay. We can time it where we've got a couple different topics and we quickly offer our opinion on those couple topics within like a minute or so just to, and, uh, you know, so you have to offer a quick opinion. Does that sound good, Russ? Can you play that game with us? Sure. <laughs> sure. All right. So do you want to go over? first or do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first, Tom? I'll go, I'll go first. I'll go first. All right. I'll go, okay. All right. I, and you can time me if you want, but, uh, you know, I always fail at this. So, okay. <laughs> I, I'll call you out in a minute here. <laughs> All right. So Mickey's not so scary. Halloween party is adding new features. Uh, mad tea party, uh, is going to have new lighting effects. Pirates of the Caribbean will have uh, a new pirates invade experience interacting with sailing guests. I don't know what that means, but I'm excited about it. Uh, the thought of, I, I, does that mean there's going to be people wandering around, you know, while you're going through Pirates of the Caribbean? Does that mean there's going to be somebody sitting with you in the boat? I don't know. Sounds fun. Space Mountain, which I probably won't see anyway, will have new special effects and a soundtrack. So that sounds pretty cool. I'm glad that they're doing some uh, neat Halloween stuff exclusively for um, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. So that would make me want to go more, and I'm definitely going to try to go next year when I'm there. First Gondola car arrives at uh, at um, at uh, Disney World. Uh, looks pretty cool. A lot of people were talking about how small it looks. I think, 
you, ha- you know, perspective wise, it, it looks small from there, but those things definitely can fit, you know, like eight people. So I, I think it's going to be cool. I'm excited about the gondola. One of our very first shows, we talked about how we didn't think the gondolas were happening and then they did. So uh, we're excited about the gondolas here. You're past a minute, by the way. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course I am. All right. But to be fair, I have to explain the stories, though. You know, <laughs> um, you guys can just offer opinions on it. Like, All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Make your own crepes. So it's uh, it's uh, there's some news out there that a make your own crepe stand is going to debut at Epcot at the uh, expanded uh, French Pavilion. That's exciting. I love crepes. I'm all for it. Um, and then rumor confirmed a couple episodes ago, we talked about bus times on the MDE app on the My Disney Experience app. Those are now there. Although I noticed that you can't view them if you're not there at the time, which really disappoints me because I just, you know, I'm the type of person that pulls up the My Disney Experience app and just looks at wait time sometimes for fun. Uh, you know, so I would have liked to see the, been able to see them, but I think it's a great addition. I'm glad that they finally did it. All right. I'm done. Okay. All right. You want me to give yes, it a go now? Do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, here we go. Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Uh, new lighting effects, I think that's awesome on Mad Tea Party. Pirates of the Caribbean, I think back to doing the Pirates Adventure when I was in uh, Adventureland on our last trip. Um, I'm betting it'll be something like that, maybe inside the ride. That that seems very exciting to me. Um, Space Mountain having an overlay. Um, I, maybe um, uh, Ghost Galaxy. Because if you've ever been to Disneyland, they do Ghost Galaxy, which is a really cool overlay. Um, super excited for that as well because, you know, it's fun to change up those rides and just do something different. Uh, the gondola cars at WDW, I know some people were saying that they were smaller than they thought. They look about the same size to me as any gondola I've seen uh, going up the side of a mountain in the Rockies, which, you know, they fit about 8 to 10 people. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing, and I and I hope that the uh, loading system is better than the ones I've even seen in the mountains, which are really good. Um, so I'm hoping that it'll be a nice, fast system that will be a good, viable alternative to bus riding. Making your own crepes in Epcot, I don't really eat crepes, so I don't care. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, man, the, crepes are delicious. Yeah, Sorry. I know. I just, I just don't care. I, it's, <laughs> I mean, cool if you want to have crepes, but I don't want crepes. Um, bus times in uh, the MDE app, thank goodness, because now I can sit in my room and wait till the very last minute and run out to the bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best use for that right there. That's so funny. Uh, all right, Russ, you ready? <laughs> yeah. So right. Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. I think it's great that they're adding something to that. I think they needed to because for me, it's sort of a one and done type of thing. You just get a bunch of free cheap candy. So I think they need to sort of spice it up um, a little bit. The first gondola car, I was with you, Tom, when I first heard that rumor. I was like, there's no way that that's real uh, until I saw the permits and pieced it all together. And so it's going to be really exciting to see that actually, you know, come to fruition and be something real and tangible. Um, the make your own crepes, that sort of creeps me out a little bit. I'm just thinking like all the people touching all the equipment and the uh, ingredients <laughs> and stuff and all the little kids sticking their hand up there. So um, that that's where I'm at on that one. <laughs> and then the rumor confirmed um, that, you know, it's sort of like about time. Um, but then too, like the first couple of days after that launched, it, the, the feature wasn't working. So it was just showing 20 minutes, you know, every 20 minutes is all it was showing for even folks that were on, on site. So in classic, disney it fashion uh you know once once the service was actually hit it it wasn't working that great and two i'd like to see but you know more accurate times even though they're in the app 
Wow, that, you you just you just nailed that. You blew right through that. <laughs> yeah, you killed that man. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly. That, yeah, that's great. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I'm excited about uh, the the not so scary Halloween party stuff. I, I think we might actually do that next year when we go, uh, because we'll be there. I mean, we've never done it before. We've never been there during October, so I think that'll be a, a cool addition. And but, we have reason to go back too. So yeah, like Russ said, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, and I I do wonder about the pirates thing. I, I it's I'm like thinking to myself, are there going to be like live actors on the ride with you, or are they going to be? Is it going to be like, uh, you know, what, why am I blanking on the name of it? Um, the ride that Mickey's Runaway rail, Railway is replacing. Uh, why am I great movie? Uh, ride. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm just thinking to myself of like a pirate jumping on your boat with you and like, you know, saying stuff to you as you're going along. I don't know if that's going to be happening. I don't know. But it will be I, like Buzz Lightyear and you'll have to shoot stuff on the ride. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> we'll give you, you a imagine gun. if they turn Pirates of the Caribbean into that. People will be so mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it would be so much fun. You could shoot the pirates, but no, they're never going to let you do that. Uh, <laughs> ruin a classic. You can't do that. So. All right, so we got our Diz Tech segment here uh, for Disney technology. So we only have one, uh, well, not one. They Disney files patents all the time, but I thought that this was the most interesting one. Um, and so Disney filed a patent for a multi-plane screen system. Um, so basically what this does is it kind of, it has multiple screens, um, you know, all kind of in one, and it gives a 3D effect without you having like 3D glasses on, basically. Now, when I read this patent, my first thought was, uh, Minnie, uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway because they've talked about the fact that you're not going to need glasses for that ride and everything's going to be 3D. But this article that I have here from uh, WDW News Today, they uh, think it's more the, likely for the Star Wars Hotel. I mean, maybe both. I don't know. But I, I think this is a pretty neat thing that they're they're talking about here. Um, it, it's it's a really cool patent as far as how this is going to work and, and be able to kind of create this really neat effect that... The, that they're kind of already doing now, I feel like at the in the Navi River Journey ride, where it it gives like a it gives some depth uh, when there's a, some sort of animal, I don't know, somebody that loves Avatar is going to yell at me for this. Those but, panther things, yeah, yeah, the panther things, yeah, they kind of do that now, but this is going to be different. And plus, people will be able to interact with it too. Like you'll be able to like touch it and or like I don't I don't know, it'll be interactive too. So I don't know. What do you guys think of this? I I think it's pretty cool. Uh, you know actually what it reminds me of or sorry, do you want to go ahead, Russ, or No, I think you're gonna say the same thing, so go ahead. Okay. Um so the it kind of actually reminds me of um the old school filming technique that Walt Disney used on the original films where they had like the multi layer multi plane, yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like they've just taken that and turned it into, you know, L C D screens and with, with, you know, haptic feedback on them, which kind of an interesting implementation of it i guess so yeah that's exactly what he's gonna say is walt disney popularized the multi-plane camera and this is basically like the you know digital version of that it's a multi-plane screen you know where you can just project right to it without the the mechanics of it so do you do you guys think this is going to be for star wars land or mickey and minnie's runaway railway or some other ride or what are we thinking? I'm going to go full left field and say Guardians. Whoa. Yeah, you really, you really <laughs> did go left field on that one. That's yeah, why they need all that space in there is for all the multi-plane screens. Yeah. 
I, I'm really yeah. wondering what they're going to do about the sight lines for that building. That building is the biggest thing I've ever seen them build. I, I mean, they, they're going to have to make that look cool, right? Like, there's no way, there's no trees tall enough that can hide that building, right? They I know don't this need is to. an aside. No, what do you mean? Uh, it'll look like I, I think it'll look like um, uh, like what's they the turn planet? Tower Terror into? Or, no, no, no. Um, no, what's the planet Sandar? Oh yeah, yeah. In yeah. in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I feel like they'll make it look like the buildings on Xandar. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I just, the building is huge. I'm just, you know, thinking to myself, what are they going to do? It's like the riot out in California that they converted Tower of Terror to Guardians. You know, they just put a veneer on it. You know, it still looks like Tower of Terror, but they, they made it look, you know, like something that would be in Guardians. I'm excited to see what they do with that. I know that's a total aside. We were, weren't really going to talk about that. But I, if you if you go on the internet right now and you search Guardians of the Galaxy coaster, the show building they're building for this thing is massive. It's it's you could see it from the whole park. So but yeah, so so the reason I say for the going back to the tech is that I feel like they'll use it there because even same thing, Russ is you know looking at the Guardians ride in in um, California. They're using screens to kind of give that that feeling of you know you're in the collector's tower and all that kind of stuff. And I can feel them doing the same thing with with the roller coaster. That there'll be some projections and stuff inside of the roller coaster that will look even cooler when you have when you have these multiplane screens going on. And then also probably at the end, like every other ride, they'll have some kind of interactive thing maybe that you know you play a game or something that they would want the patent for. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're right on about that. <laughs> that's that's I, I, I mean, I don't see them using this in just one place. I think it's one of those things they're going to use for a lot of things, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and Russ, I think were you going to mention? Something? I'm sure with uh, WEW uh, news today that it's probably going to be for the hotel because you sort of have a discrete number of windows, you know, that you can put these screens in. Um, to sort of give that immersive feel, you know, versus like a Guardians ride where you'd have to have hundreds of these screens. Um, so I think that might make sense for that hotel. A smaller application like the hotel. Any DVC rooms you think in the hotel and uh, the Star Wars hotel, Russ? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, there's also um, another hotel going in uh, just north of Beach Club that's west of uh, Epcot. And if you look at that location, you know, it could have direct access to the gondolas as well uh, from the Epcot side. So, the, you know, we got hotels going in everywhere around Epcot with the are new, you, you know, the are new Are you talking Epcot about the rumored the one that, that's out there? Like the the one that they're talking about with just permits or? Yeah, it's it's, it's just permits at this point. So nobody knows what it's going to be. But, you know, it, it, it's another Epcot hotel. So, we know, there's the Disney's Riviera Resort. We know there's the the, the Star Wars one connected to star wars land and then there's this third epcot one which may have direct access to epcot and may or may not have dvc you know it just remains to be seen just like fort wilderness well i would love for there to be some dvc rooms and if they're going to build a hotel right in the front of epcot or attached to epcot i would love for some dvc rooms to be there that would be a hot commodity too so Okay, cool. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about. We always like to start. Uh, well, start. I, I should say stop and end our, our show with rumors because uh, we like talking about rumors and we like joking around about you know some of the different things that can happen. So um, the rumors we were just talking Star Wars. One of the rumors that's out there. Um, there's a patent that again that Disney filed. I didn't put this under Disney Tech because you know it's a rumor. 
but a uh, recent patent makes it seem like Disney's going to be able to mimic uh, Star Wars style uh, blasters firing in daylight. So it seems like they've been able to figure out a way to replicate what that looks like uh, in in the daytime. So a lot of people are thinking that this could be like a stage show or a training thing of some sort at uh, at uh, Galaxy's Edge. Um, so I, I don't know. This looks really cool. I, I mean, they've been filing patents like crazy for Star Wars land, right? I mean, so many of the things they're filing are so obviously for Star Wars. But this one, to me, is also really obvious for Star Wars, too. So uh, what do you guys think of this one? I think it looks like a heavily modified Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it had to be pretty heavily not modified. I mean, well, it, no, I mean, it, it looks like it has a barrel with a dart or something in it because that's what it looks like they're going to use to fire the that laser kind of thing out of it. And I mean, to me, it looks like a, a Nerf dart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't really, I, I guess I didn't look at it that closely, but I mean, if it looks realistic enough, I, I don't care, I guess, yeah. if it is a Nerf dart, right? <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I mean, I have a 10-year-old, so we've got a lot of Nerf guns in the house, so that that could be skewing my perception on this. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, what would you think they would use something like this for, though? I mean, what... I, I, I can only see them using the, this kind of thing in a stage show because you wouldn't want guests, you know, shooting each other or random people with... I mean, anything that that... If it actually does fire a projectile, yeah, I can't see them having this for general use for the the public. <laughs> that's yeah, all kinds that's, of trouble. Yeah, exactly. That is true. Um, yeah. I mean, although they could have it in like a smaller setting, like a training, like a Jedi training type of thing, or you know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, if you're if you're shooting at screen, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like there's many other ways they could accomplish that versus something like this or maybe it's for the the battle escape ride maybe it's you know they're, they're gonna have a bright scene in there somewhere that they need you, you know and you'll, you'll be able to use a a, a a gun to shoot stuff i don't know yeah but <laughs> but again if it like i said just the way the diagram looks it if if it's shooting a projectile you, you're not going to be able to keep loading and reloading it quickly like you'll only have a limited number of shots so that's true i don't know does it actually shoot something out of it that's what the second picture looks like. It looks like it, yeah, but it yeah. doesn't actually say in it, right? I don't. No. No, I, I don't see. I mean, it just says light comes out of the muzzle, and or of the prop weapon. So maybe I don't know. Maybe that's just demonstrating light. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know. I think it looks pretty cool. If it's going to be something that's going to actually happen, so. Anything else you guys want to mention on this? It's not a, that juicy of a rumor. I just think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I'd say they probably are going to just modify the evening event and just have you know some new additions uh, to that when Star Wars Land opens. Great. Yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, it could just be that they're going to modify something that's already out there, right? So, all right. Well, why don't we go ahead and wrap this thing up? Uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we go? Uh, any other topic you want to talk about? I mean... We want to trash Damon more and see if he's going to listen to the show and call us out on it. <laughs> no, one well, interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead I was going to say one interesting thing is so there's a new uh, senior VP of DVC, uh, Terry Schultz, um, in the new uh, Disney Files magazine that was confirmed. Um, so Ken is Ken Potrock is moving on to 
another area of the company and uh so we have a new uh, cvp so it'll be interesting to see it's the first one that has sort of come from within the ranks um so that's interesting you know she's been the treasurer uh, for the organization as well as the treasurer for the associations so she's a numbers person um, which hopefully means you know she'll want to make changes that are going to drive new members as well as you know grow existing members yeah that's good i i saw you uh you had an article on your site about that and uh, or i think you did right yeah I also a, couple, saw... uh, a week or so back before it was official Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I got, I'm pretty sure I got my Disney files yesterday and there was like a little insert in there about the, about the leadership change. So interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to see how that changes DVC or if it changes DVC in any way. So, uh, thanks for adding that in. Well, Trevor, you want to go ahead and uh, start wrapping us up here? Yeah, for sure. So, um, as usual, um, we always appreciate you guys, uh, sending us emails and talking to us. Um, we've been talking to a lot of you guys on Facebook lately. Uh, I think that's super awesome. We're glad that you guys are enjoying the, the podcast. Um, so if you want to get a hold of us via email, um, you can find us at welcomehomepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a website too. If you want to go there to find our episodes and a bit of information about us, that's uh, www.welcomehomepodcast.com. Um, again, you know, if you guys have questions, if you have comments, stuff that you want us to bring up on the podcast, feel free to fire them our way, and uh, and we we try our best to make sure you know we read everything that you or uh, the the stuff you guys send us. Um, uh, yeah, and like I said, we just we love interacting with you guys. We love uh, hearing the feedback from from our listeners. Um, of course, if you are uh, on social media, you can always find us at uh, Welcome Home Podcast on Facebook, on Twitter you can find us at Welcome Home Pod, and on Instagram you can find us at Welcome Home Picks. Yeah, and don't forget to subscribe to uh, Welcome Home so you can be reminded every time we release a new episode. Um, of course, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, just about anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, Google actually just put out their uh, the, a new podcast standalone app, so um, so Google Podcasts as well. You can find us on there um, just by searching for Welcome Home. And, uh, of course, just a reminder to our listeners, Welcome Home Podcast is for entertainment only. We are not employed by the Walt Disney Company, and as such, any opinion we express on the show is our own. So please consult a DVC representative or call Disney directly for any questions about anything, any of the things that we said on today's show. Um, thanks again, Russ, for coming on the show today. Uh, DVCinfo.com. Uh, definitely check that site out if you have not been on it. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we go uh, here, Russ? Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. And uh, just to give some contact info as well, if you want to get a hold of me directly, it's Russ, R-U-S-S, at DVCinfo.com. Uh, the website's DVCinfo.com. We also have a community out there, uh, community forum. Um, and then on Facebook, uh, DVC Info Center, and on Twitter, DVC Info. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, join us next time again for more Disney Parks discussion, of course, more DVC talk. And uh, we hope to see you all real soon. This is Skipper Albert Awal, the voice of the jungle, signing off from Welcome Home Podcast on the DVC. I looked around from pole to pole, found her in a sugar bowl.